0: This coming Saturday we have the gospel explosion and we're going to take time tonight to talk a little bit about that and we've got tables set up here and I want everybody to be involved now just because I want it doesn't mean it happens but I but I want all uh, of our members to be involved in some way if you would rather canvas an area we have 750 uh, just uh, uh, door hangers you could just go put it on someone's door if that's something that would be a stretch for you but something you'd be willing to do that'd be great. We have gospel tracts, and Brother, uh, Brother um, uh, Lawrence has worked very diligently today in Brother Abdel's absence, and Brother Josh Campbell to get every, every place every, every place you exit, they'll have gospel tracts there, and uh, that'll be great. There's places we want you to sign up, and I'll tell you more about that, but we want every 10 different cities, from, from 10 o'clock in the morning till 5 o'clock at night, for us to have the opportunity to be witnessing, one of our members is telling someone about Jesus doing a gospel effort uh, for that time in 10 different cities in our area. And, of course, that's Calumet City across the uh, border here. That's Hammond. It's Dyer. That's Maryville, uh Crown Point, and, and uh, Griffith, and uh, Highland, uh, the other cities around there. You'll, you'll hear about that in a few moments. I want you to be thinking about what I can do to do that. During the time, the teens are going to be on a marathon of finding people in the community and talking to them about Jesus Christ And at 9 o'clock, Brother Tom Herzl is going to meet anyone who will come and just get a a one 45-minute training session on how to lead someone to Christ effectively. And that's going to be at 9 o'clock on Saturday morning, and you don't have to go right out after that. Maybe you want to come at 9 o'clock and then do your stint at 1 to 2 or 1 to 3. You don't have to just do one hour. You can do two hours. You can do one in the morning, one in the afternoon, but at least one hour time. But Brother Tom is going to talk about that. He's One of our newer assistant pastors has pastored for 30 years in in, uh, in Southern California. Started a church, the Grace Baptist Church in East LA, and and now Brother Larry Slack is a pastor there. And then has, has worked in churches in Ohio. He is here, but he's going to take a he's going to take a 45 minute session, and he's going to got a handout for you and just walk you through how to lead someone to Christ. If you got the opportunity to do that, we also have a, a chance for you to have the stop track. That brother Piper walked us through the other day, and this is the stop track that would take an opportunity for you to do that. That's an oppor- that's uh, available for you at each of the exits as well at the Welcome Center. And this would this is something very simple. You you would just you can take your Bible with you and tell them these verses are from the Bible. We well, you could walk through the stop track very simply, giving the gospel to someone. I'm convinced people are ready uh, to hear the gospel if we're will, will, willing to get the gospel. And uh, there are people out there, not, not everybody, everybody's not ready. Everybody's not, you know, every fruit, piece of fruit is not ripe at the same time. Aren't you glad that apple trees, just one day, all of them fell off, boom. No, they, they, they ripen, they ripen differently. And some need a little more sunshine, some need a little more nutrients. They need something to come to them before they're ready to come. Others of them are so ripe, you just kind of tap them with your finger and they'll fall right in your hand. They're ready to be saved. Other folks, you might you might tell them, and they're saying, "You know, I, must, I need some time to think about that." I don't like that response, and I challenge them. You listen. Today is a day of salvation, but that's the way some folks are. You can't you can't save anybody. You can warn them, you can explain the gospel to them, and that's what we want to do. God is he is pleased when we give gospel effort and get the gospel to people, and that means giving a gospel tracking. You can never underestimate the power of a seed. And uh, the other day, I was talking to a gentleman, and he goes to a good church in our area. He said, you know what? I was riding with a man years ago, and I was a truck driver, and a new trainee came, and he was so nervous to talk to me, but he finally said, hey, um, I'm a Christian, and I want to just give you this track to read. And he gave him the track. He said, he gave me that track. And uh, I I just thought, yeah, yeah, you know. But, boy, I went back in my sleeper, and I was back there, and I couldn't get my mind off all he was telling me. You know, why he would give that to me. I got back in the sleeper. I turned the light on, and I started reading that track. At the end of it, my heart was ready to receive the Lord. And I accepted Jesus as my Savior in the back of a sleeper of a semi-truck on a team driving challenge there. And I thought to myself, man, it's just amazing what God can do through a gospel track. And everybody can do that. Even if you can't, uh, you can't uh, speak, you could give a gospel tract to somebody. And I think everybody ought to do something for the glory of God. And, and you're evaluated one day. You're going to be evaluated. Are you a minister of the, of the gospel? Are you a servant? And are you a, a, a steward of the mysteries of Christ? Are you giving the gospel? And no one has excuses. And I have excuses. I've, I've used my excuses, and you probably have used yours. But all of us could do something. And I want to encourage you to be involved with that. And uh, do that for your kids. Sometimes moms and dads, we're glad to let our kids get involved, but we don't get involved. And we're glad when they win someone to Christ, but we're not, we're not giving even the effort on that. And I think all of us ought to do it. Let's take a few moments, if we can, just to talk about two things. One, the value of being a part of a soul-winning church. Number two, the value of learning a plan. Learning a plan that uh, you can go through. Now, most of you, or many of you, know how to share the gospel with someone. Some of us know how, but we would stumble through it if we had to do it right now. But uh, learning a plan is important, and I believe that uh, it's not, you're not trying to make a sale, but it's good to know what you know. It's good to know what, what you know you're trying to compl- you're com- convey to somebody, but uh, let's look real at John chapter 15, in verse number 16. I want you to read it with me. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Let's all read it out loud together, can we? Ye have not chosen me, but I have, and ordained you, that ye should bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name. He said, look, I've, I've, I've chosen you, and I've asked you to be fruitful. And the fruit that you have, the people that you win, help them stay. Help them remain. And it's God that does that, but but he uses us. We're going to have a discipleship training October the 13th and 14th. I would love any of our members of our church to attend that training time. I think it would be very helpful to you. And we're inviting other, other churches to come and learn how to help someone after they get saved. But everybody ought to be involved with that. Everybody involved in getting people the gospel and helping someone grow. Not everybody makes the journey with you, but it doesn't negate our responsibility to get involved with helping people grow in the Lord. He says, I want you to be fruitful, and I want you to have fruitful, fruit that remains. Jesus said in John chapter 19, Luke chapter 19, verse number 10, he, he reminds us, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Five times, all in, within the last few Uh, a few days he was on the planet before he went back to live with his heavenly father and sits on the right hand of Father, he says, go out there and find someone and tell them about me. He says in Matthew, he said, when you do that, I'm going to give you my presence. By the way, the benefits of being a part of God's plan to get the gospel out is really good for me and it's very good for you and it's good for this church. I wouldn't want to be a part of a church that wasn't a soul-winning church. Because when we're soul winners, the Bible says, lo, I am with you always. He said when you be a soul winning church and a soul winning Christian, you get the presence of God. In chapter Mark, he says, you, you, I'll protect you, the protection of God. I think we have seen that here at First Baptist Church. Uh, we've, we've seen God help us, protect us from things that could have been terrible. Where well, every week, if you send 80 buses out in this community, it's some terrifying thinking of all the things that could happen. But God's been so good to us. He's been so faithful to protect us. And we're still praying that God will help us. But I think one of the best things we can do to get the protection of God is to be faithful about his great commission. In Luke, he says, you do it, and you'll you'll start in Jerusalem. You'll be faithful in your local area and go to other nations of the world. You'll see the program of God. In John, he says, if the Father sent me, I'm sending you, my peace I give you. He'll give us the peace of God. And then in Acts, he gives us the power of God. You'll receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. These are things I want for myself. I want them for Linda. I want them for my children. I certainly want them for you, and I want them for our church corporately. Well, that's part of being a soul-winning church. And with that in mind, I want to just tell you just a couple things that bless my heart. Of course, Jesus' last command should be our first priority. We should think about this often. What does God want me? Why has he left me on the planet? What am I supposed to do? If I'm effective, I'm going to to be used, my life is going to be used to make an impact in this world with the gospel of Jesus. I'm grateful for people that can do clean buildings, drive buses, um, type papers, teach classes. All those things are good, but all of us ought to be uh, soul winners. All of us ought to be saying, Lord, please use my life to make an impact with the gospel. Help me to be used of God. And by the way, it's much more a passion than it is an effort. And a method. It's just something I want to do because God put this in my heart. And he he put it in my heart. I think he put it in yours as well. Well, what are some benefits? I I thought about these thoughts. Number one, uh, a soul-winning church has unexplainable value to its community. I don't think Hammond, Indiana would be near on the map as it is if it weren't for this church. I think this church is good for Hammond, Indiana. Um, I think a radio the radio station in uh, in Baghdad, that brother George Zaris started and, and helps to maintain the the Muslim people understand that radio station that puts out nothing but the gospel is good for that community in mindanao Philippines that is muslim Muslim uh, maintained for the most part most of it is, but uh, whenever they were Whenever they were giving out radio stations and permissions for radio stations, they said, please put them down there (laughs) because it makes people more peaceful when they hear Christian stuff. Isn't that something? A a soul-winning church is of great value to its community. Number two, a soul-winning church is is where the ripest Christian converts grow. Uh, It is where more people grow faster when there's people being saved. It grieves me. One, one church, it was church, went five years, had two baptisms. Two people saved in five years, no one baptized. That grieves my heart. I don't, want, I don't want to be a part of a church like that. And Christians will grow where there is soul winning. Christians will grow best. And, and the deepest love for God develops in people that are soul winning people. Brother, brother um, Rick Martin, our great servant of Christ there in the Philippines, When he and Becky left here and they went on deputation, didn't raise quite enough support, they went there to Iloilo and they rented an apartment. Their goal was to train 35 soul winners. That was their first immediate goal. And he said the reason is because soul winners will watch nurseries, soul winners will clean buildings, they'll set up chairs. Soul winners will do anything. Now, there are a lot of Christians who will do a lot of those things, but soul winners will do whatever it takes to get someone else the gospel. And he trained 30. That was his first major goal. And from that, good night, uh, 1,500 would be a conservative number of churches that have been started in the last 40 years from those 35 soul winners. It's where the deepest love, it's where the purest motives thrive. People who have pure motives are people who are soul winners in a church that's trying to reach people with the gospel. Now, look, you know, you've got to be careful about competitive spirits. One thing I don't mind about, I don't mind about having a soul in explosion, but we're not competing against each other. I hope you understand that. We're not competing against, we're competing against what God has called us to do and what he would use us to do, not not with you or not with me. If someone comes back and they say, oh, I got to lead three people to Christ, praise the Lord. If you didn't get to lead anyone to Christ, just rejoice with them. If you try to get the gospel out, that's what we need to do. We want to get rid of competitive uh, spirits. We don't need that. We don't need that. We need, to, we need to have pure motives. We're out here to please the Lord and try to get the gospel to another person because this is how he's glorified when people get saved. So it's where purest motives are thrive. I think also it's where excitement abounds. Isn't it fun to see people get saved? I was thinking about that beautiful family that got saved, a mama, two daughters, and a son who got saved. And Brother Joey uh, Cowling and and, uh, Brother Pete uh, led them to the Lord and brought them. And they were so excited. We were excited for them, weren't you? And there's excitement about that. And they came out of the baptism. They were happy. We're happy. It's good to see people get saved. And there's excitement that that takes place in a church where soul winning takes place. And then it's a place where the young, the, men and the young boys and girls in this room will most easily hear the call of salvation and surrender in their life. It's where the young most quickly uh, respond to the gospel presentation and the call to surrender themselves to the Lord. And it's a main supply house, a soul winning church for ministry servants and missionaries around the world. You know, when I find a church that just is satisfied with one celebration service a week, Kind of come as you you are and leave as you came. People that are not soul winning. It's not a place where where godly young people are fostered out to go go to the gospel. There's not young people going to Bible college usually from those kind of churches. But a place that's a soul winning church is going to have that. Then I would say this real quickly. uh, what What are some things that we need if we're going to be a soul winning church? Number one, we need an emphasis on the Holy Spirit of God. We need to realize that this is his work. And we want to be yielded to him. Number two, we need to make a preeminence on the person of Jesus Christ. When you witness to someone, if you give them a track, please, you can tell them about the church if you want to. You can tell them how wonderful your pastor is if you want to. I'm just joking. Don't tell them them that. I tell people when I give a track, I say, listen, this is a great church. People are wonderful. Now, the pastor's a jerk, but the people are fantastic. Some of them will say, yeah, I got a pastor like that too. You know, I say, yeah. And uh, they'll say, hey, that's you. I said, yeah, that's the jerk right there. But, uh, I, 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 but I always try to tell them, this is what Jesus Christ can do for you. Point them to the scriptures. Point them to the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, churches that, that are soul winners need to be, have an emphasis on the Holy Spirit of God. They need to have a, they have a focus on the person of Jesus Christ and the magnification of him. An emphasis on personal holiness in, uh, in Psalm 51 when David got right with God. He said, Lord, restore unto me the joy of, sal- of my salvation, create in me a clean heart. Then I can teach sinners in the way. I can, I, sinners will be converted. When? When we're holy. And, uh, boy, when you go soul winning, make sure you're right with the Holy Spirit. Make sure you're focused on the person of Jesus. Make sure your life is clean. And if it's not, clean, it up, go to God. Confess it. Forsake known sin. It's much easier to sow soul, win. To soul it's very miserable to try to do something for Christ without making Christ preeminent. And it's miserable to someone to live the Christian life without Christ. If you're not really saved, and you get saved. But then, uh, and also, we need to have multiple opportunities. Remember you're on soul patrol 24-7. Uh, remember that it's not just the time on Saturday. If you get someone to, to listen to you tomorrow on the gospel, take advantage of it tomorrow. Say, well, I want to wait till Saturday when I do that. No. Uh, Look for opportunities on a daily basis and take advantage of opportunities to go. Sometimes people say, well, I just go whenever I can, and that's good. But I do believe when the church has an organized, soul-winning time, a lot more people come to know Christ in those seasons, and you'll be more fruitful taking advantage of that. And then uh, we also need prayer, and I should have probably put that first. We need to bathe with prayer. One of the things we, last night in the Bible Institute I was teaching, what a great group of people in the Bible Institute this semester. Just fantastic. But we're talking about the, that we ought to pray that all men would come to the knowledge of the truth. God wants us to pray for the lost to be saved. And um, then we need the example of church leaders. I think a soul winning church has got to have leaders that are out in front. Not just to tell us what to do. Not just rejoice in souls saved. But there are soul winners themselves. And I believe it's important that the examples of the leaders, you think about the six, seven men that were chosen to be deacons in that early church. We have all seven of their names, but what two names to come to your mind when you think about those seven deacons? Stephen, and Stephen was a soul winner. And what was another guy that comes to your mind? Philip. Philip was an evangelist. He went everywhere talking to folks about the Lord. I think a church that has examples is really powerful. Well, why do we keep a plan? I wanted, I wanted just to learn a plan real quickly, and I won't, I won't teach you the plan. Brother Tom will teach that plan on on a Saturday morning at 9 o'clock, and I hope many of you will come. You say, Pastor, I know how to lead someone to Christ. You might be benefited by just listening to somebody else tell them how they do it. There's things we can learn. But why might you want to learn a plan? Now, I think sometimes we can get so rigid that we only do our plan only and it's not that I thank God Miss Sherry's always telling me about Faye Dotson's wonderful plan of uh, of giving people the gospel of Christ and and uh, I thank God for Miss Faye and her passion to get the gospel out and I think that, you know, I led someone to Christ recently and I stayed almost the entire time in Romans chapter 3. It's unusual normally, but this person had already been exposed to the gospel. They just, they just needed to get their salvation settled. And so I could kind of stay in one passage of Scripture. But for most people, or they're ignorant of the Bible. By the way, teenagers, young people, and we've got a lot of junior hires here, college young people, as best as possible, take a New Testament with you when you're witnessing to somebody or a Bible. Uh, it's good to have a track. I love tracks because they show me the curiosity of people. When I give someone a track, sometimes they'll say to me, yeah, okay, thank you. Thank you very much. Well, I know they're probably not interested. They put it away quickly. But it still could be used of God. But sometimes they'll say, you know what, I've been thinking about this. How did you know? Boy, I've been, I've been thinking about that for a long time. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's like saying stick them to a bulldog. You know, I've been thinking about that. Oh, okay, well, let's, let's talk about that. You have time right now. And sometimes people say, yes, they do. It's a, it's a great way to do that. But if at all possible, if I give them a track, I'm going to try to get my New Testament to share with them from the Bible. You automatically become somewhat um, an authority if you know where to turn in the Bible. People have a Bible. Some of them have it at home. Some of them never, never held one in their life. But most people have a Bible, but they do not know where to turn in the Bible. And if you know where to take someone in the Bible, it automatically in their mind, their psychological thinking says, you know what, this person knows something I don't know. They they can take me to places. They know where this book is. I don't, they wouldn't know. And then you can strategically tell them from the Bible the strategies or the the information, not a strategy, but the the information they need to know to be saved. Because the Bible says, faith cometh by Hearing, and hearing by, and it's hearing, not just hearing ear. Tonight we have uh, deaf missionaries here. Brother Mike and Miss Ruth Douglas, they're serving the Lord in Brazil. I don't know if they're here. Where are they at? Are they here somewhere? Where? Over here. Can you stand up if you would, please? They're right here. Brother Mike and Miss Ruth and her two daughters serve the Lord with the Johnsons down in Brazil. And we're so happy they're here this evening. But um, they, they explain to people the gospel of Jesus Christ but they do it with their hands, and people can't hear them. They, they can't hear them, but they would listen with their eyes and watch with their eyes. But that verse means understanding. You know, faith cometh by understanding. It's getting it. And that's what the soul winner is doing. And I love a plan because it helps me strategically. I know it, and I can share it with someone else. Now, sometimes you might veer from your plan a little bit if the person asks a question and I'm of, the, I'm of the opinion it's okay for people to ask questions. You have to field the question and see is it pertinent to this presentation or are they really asking something that's, that's helpful or them or is it a demonic distraction? You know, what do you think about what the Pope says the other day? Well, I'm not, that's, a, that's a distraction. Okay, but if they're saying, you know, to you, is the Bible say there's really a hell? That's a good question. Okay. Or do you have to get baptized to go to heaven? That's a good question. But they say, ah, did you hear what the Presbyterians did recently? No, that's, that's a dumb question. That's a question we can say, you know what, that's fine. It's a good question. Maybe we can talk about that later. Can we continue what I'm sharing with you? And most times people say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. But having a plan... To go through is very important. Here's why I think, a few reasons why it's important and I'm going to share with you tonight. First of all, just a reminder that soul winning is obedience to God. The only option you have if you don't want to be a soul winner is disobedience. Because if you're saved, God's commanded you. He didn't suggest. He's commanded you to tell people about Jesus. If you're not doing it, your only option is to disobey the Lord. You ought to do something on a regular basis, to share the gospel with someone. When you talk to someone you don't know, or you, talk to, you have neighbors, you ought to say, Lord, is this the time I can talk to them about the Lord? What can I do to share the gospel with them? And I have been plenty disobedient in many times in my life, but I don't want to be that way. I don't want to be like the Apostle Paul. I was not, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. What God told me to do, I did it. And soul winning is obedience because God tells us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Soul winning is fulfilling. It is something that you, you cannot, when someone gets saved and comes to know Christ, it's a, it's, it's a wonderful blessing. When Jesus said, uh, my, my, my will is to do the will of him who sent me, my meat, what makes me filled up. When, when, when Philip went to Samaria and all those people came, and the Bible says there was great joy in the city. Why? Because they came to know Christ their Savior. And it's, it is not only fulfilling, it's rewarding. The Bible says, They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. They that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. He said there is going to be a reward. And in Psalms 126, verse 5 and 6, He that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seeds of the gospel will doubtless come again with rejoicing. John chapter 4, when Jesus implored his disciples to join him in winning people to Christ who were coming with the lady at the well, back to the well, he said, If you'll join me, you will join me in the harvest. You will receive wages unto life eternal. He said, you're going to receive eternal wages by getting engaged in the gospel ministry. Nothing you do with the gospel. He said, Pastor, I want, I'll go out Saturday, but I don't know if I could do anything. If you just go and participate, there is a reward from heaven for your life. I think in this life and the life to come. There's so many blessings when we're soul winners. Well, why might you want to learn a plan? Let me just give you a couple of thoughts, and we'll conclude our, this part of our service tonight. Number one, it gives you confidence and produces boldness when you know what you're saying, when you know what you're going to say. If, if, you, if you know where to go in the Scriptures, and you've learned a plan that Brother Tom is going to teach you, you're going to find that you'll have confidence. Okay, I, I know where to go next. I have put a note in my Bible my New Testament years ago, I would put where Romans 3.23, and then I would take it there to, to Romans 6.23, then to 5.8, and then to uh, chapter 10. Then I would go to Re- Revelation chapter 22. I-, I put a note in my Bible just in case I forgot. At the bottom of my my New Testament, I would have a plan. And it gave me confidence and boldness to witness and tell people. By the way, I want to be good at giving the gospel, and so do you. And the more you do it, the better you'll be, and you'll get some discernment. But if you have a basic plan, you're going to find that's going to help you have confidence uh, to do that. But I would say this, that you want to just be clear. Have the confidence. The confidence is not in me and it's not in you. It's in the gospel of Christ. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? It's the dynamite of God. It will have an effect. And I've seen people stumble through the gospel with someone and they get saved. Sometimes I've seen people do it just flawlessly and the person say, I'm just not ready. I'm not ready to do that. They'll so say, I don't know if I can do it because if I might get my, I stumble through my words or I might start stuttering or might get sidetracked. Forget it. Just do the best you can with the gospel, but learn a plan because it will give you confidence and help. Number two, your mind will be relieved of the stress as you plan your next thing. Sometimes if you just know what to do, you've become less stressful. And it's going to be fun because you're going to see that God's going to take over and he'll be able to help you if you learn a plan. And you can concentrate in the Holy Spirit's help. You can direct the conversation. So I know that I'm trying to go from here and to here. I always ask this person, do you understand what I just explained to you? Do you have any questions about that? Very good. Let's go to the next thing. And we'll just explain that to them. Go through that. And it helps, it helps them understand the gospel. And remember, when you're giving the gospel, you want clarity. I cannot stand someone who tries to trick me. Do you like that? I've been a few times with soul winners that I think they're manipulative, and they're they're trying to tr- they're trying to uh, trick the people, and uh, and you know th- I just know I'm not I don't like it when someone does that to me. I want someone to answer my questions. I want someone that wants me to understand to have some sincerity and simplicity with what they're saying. Never am I in, have I never been impressed with someone trying to teach me to soul win. With uh, any kind of a uh, any kind of a slight or any kind of a manipulation, I don't think you have to manipulate the gospel. You just need to make sure it's clear and learn a plan that's that's clear and uh, shares with them what the Bible says. There's questions you'll learn. There's questions you'll learn how to answer, and you'll kind of know things. The more you do, you learn your plan. You work your plan. You'll find that'll be the case. If someone asks you a question you don't know the answer, uh, don't don't try to be uh, don't just say you know what that. I need to check on that. That's a great question. And I don't think I would probably know the answer. You know, even just admitting that creates more confidence in you. You know, oftentimes when I went to someone, I'll tell them, listen, thank you. for." Can I shake the Bible and show you? And they say, yes. And I say, okay, I'm going to do this. But I want you to know that I'm not a salesman trying to make a deal. I'm really one beggar. to another beggar where he found some food. If for some reason... You want me to stop in this, in this presentation of the scriptures. You tell me and I'll respect you. And, uh, and rarely do I have anyone stop. Matter of fact, it disarms them. They'll say, you know, that now they understand that I'm not trying to get a sale. I'm just trying to give. I'm just uh, trying to tell them the news that happened and what God did for me and what the Bible says. And I think oftentimes that sincerity and simplicity is very, very important when trying to win people to Christ and learning to plan. It allows you to remain simple while giving the gospel, and uh, it helps bring the prospect to an understanding of the decision more easily. And every once in a while, I've been with soul winners who have just really complicated the gospel, and they've used some they've used words that they're not familiar with. You know, if if you said, "Now, God this is a propitiation for your sin," okay probably said, did you say a bad word? You know? <laughs> no, they won't know what propitiation means. It means the mercy seat, but they're not going to know what that means. It's a covering, complete covering. If you're going to say propitiation, explain what it means. If you go say, you know, even the word saved, you know, if you're in the South and you say saved, a lot of people say saved, they don't know what it means. Up in this area, a lot of people have no clue when you say saved or salvation. Brother Sexton sometimes uses, are you a Christian? And that means a lot of things to a lot of people. It wouldn't be my favorite word. It I don't mind asking that someone, but I want to find a little bit clearer. If they are a Christian, what is it? But in the South, it's oftentimes you, you divide things a little bit differently. But what does it mean to have you have you have you been saved? Have you or you've been born again? That means the same thing, but that needs to be explained. So I I love a plan because it helps me already knock down uh, uh, oppositions or questions. I love it when I lead someone to Christ and they, I say, okay, I've shared this with you. That's what I wanted to share with you. Is there any questions you have? And they'll say, no. That's it's clear, clear. I never heard it like that. I like that whenever they say they understood it we can ask them each time, do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe you're a sinner and your sins against God? You can't save yourself. Do you believe the price of sin is death? Do you believe that only Jesus and his sacrifice and his death and burial resurrection could save you? And they say, yes. I say, well, you you have all that you need to be saved with the exception of one thing. If you say you believe all that, the next thing you need to do with the heart, man believeth, and with the, uh, now, confessions, you need to tell God that. If God's willing to take your sin, would you be willing to take his son? And then explain that uh, to the convert. If they say yes, then you can help them pray. Uh, or they can pray on their own, but you need to help them understand what they're doing. But a plan will help you with that. Lastly, you'll always be ready when the Holy Spirit prompts you to witness if you've learned a plan. If you've learned a plan, when the Spirit of God says, do it, John. This is the person. I don't have to say, you know what I... Uh, Well, where do I go in my Bible? No, I don't know, and I'll learn a plan. I'd like to encourage many of you to come, and come on Saturday morning at 9 o'clock and take time to learn how to win someone to the Lord Jesus Christ. Brother Tom has done it hundreds of times, and some some of you know, Brother, uh, there's many people within our ministry that he has talked to about the Lord uh, and has come here to Hiles Anderson now serving the Lord. He's going to do a good job sharing it with you. I want to encourage you to come and learn a plan. We'll take time to do that again in in December. We usually take a few, two Wednesday nights, and we'll go through how to lead someone to Christ. Let's pray.